anytime you step away for 15 minutes, your operation is going to fall to the ground. That's the way the hustle works. The hustle is a season. It's not a, it's not a business strategy. Um, but if you really want to take it to the next level and build a business that's predictable and you can step away from it and still generating this you know, income on a, on a consistent basis, now you have a machine, you have to set up processes. You have to measure everything they're doing. There are certain KPIs that, we, that, that you've got to follow. Um, and then step number six is um, come in and improve. We have 90-minute um, meetings, team meetings with man- management every week, right? The purpose of those is to go over KPIs and then see if we left any money at the table in any of the deals. And if so, what can we do so that doesn't happen again? But we have, uh, we have awareness when it comes to improvement um, in every single one of the different stages. So um, yeah, breaking, breaking stuff down, it doesn't matter what business you're doing, you know, you're in, what vertical you're in. If you're breaking things down and you have different segments, you're going to understand what requirements, what roles, what responsibilities go into each one of them. And then you can start crafting training protocols. So you start putting together like all the pieces to this big, you know, uh, robot that's going to be, may look complex, right? But you're not doing it all in one day. It's a progressive, you know, set of actions that's taking you there. A career path going from EMS and firefighter to organizational psychologist to successful real estate investor, trainer, mentor might not seem a traditional kind of career path or make any sense in linking one with the other. But my guest today has been able to do that. And we had a great conversation around the importance of highlighting uh, the need to have systems and processes in place before you start hiring and making sure that you've really thought through the various roles of your business. One of the dangers for many real estate investors is hiring before they figured out what are the key performance indicators, the KPIs of a particular role. And Raphael does a great job of explaining the importance of breaking that down in detail and understanding your business in detail, um, which ensures that you're going to have that success that you're aspiring to get by hiring and growing your business. So uh, enjoy the show. You're listening to the REI Branded Podcast, helping you build your real estate personal brand. If you want to stand out from the crowd, attract the right leads, right partners, and right clients every time, you're in the right place. My name is Paul Copcutter, and each week we'll be looking to decode and uncover what makes you, the real estate business owner, brandtastic. Each episode is intended to be valuable, cut to the chase, and actionable, so you can spend less time marketing your business and still get the results you want. Thank you for listening. Now let's get to work on making you brandtastic. Okay, so welcome to the REI Branded Podcast, Raphael. Um, perhaps kick off, tell us a little bit about you, where you've come from, uh, and what you're doing. Uh, hey, Paul. Well, uh, first off, thank you for having me. It's, it's, a, it's an honor to be in your podcast and, and uh, out to your listeners. Um, I guess, yeah, just a little bit of background on me. I, I became a fireman when I was 19 years old. I launched my first um, business when I was uh, 21 years old. That was a uh, medical transportation business. So a couple of years um, after uh, I joined the fire department. So I was doing both um, for a period of time there. And then around 2009, I jumped into real estate. Uh, I started doing real estate fix and flips. Um, I had that other transportation business going. But, uh, but I wanted to find a, um, 
another way, right, to just deploy some of the the investments and 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 capital that I had available. So I, I looked at uh, real estate and jumped on my first flip uh, right around two thousand nine. What what made you get into entrepreneurial kind of ventures? Um, I, I'm a, I'm a I guess I'm I'm a good employee, but I've always I've always felt um, uh, limited. Uh, so anytime, and I've had a couple of jobs, right? And, and I haven't worked for for somebody else, you know, too long. The, the the most time that I spent working for somebody else was the fire department. So I mean, that's a different type of environment. It's more of a brotherhood, right? It's different. Mm-hmm. But um, but before then, I mean, I had I had you know, growing up, I, I worked at a grocery store I gro- through high school. I would do construction, you know, uh, gigs just to make money for the summer and that type of stuff. So I always stayed active. I always had a job. Uh, since uh, I've always had uh, some type of job since I was since I uh, since I was 14 years old, yeah, right around that age, and and um, it, it's just it's limiting to me. It's it's um, there's always more that can be done. There's always you know another you know step forward that you can you know take, and and uh, to me, I, I found myself just thinking about that kind of stuff when I was working for somebody else. Uh, when you're working for yourself. You're an entrepreneur. You you kind of create your own ball of wax, right? And you, you can shape that thing in in so many different ways, and and it's totally up to you. So if you succeed, um, it's your fault. If you fail, it's also your fault. So it, it's right. I, I like having that um, um, that responsibility per se. Right. Yeah. Was there somebody something happened in your life that kind of suddenly real estate appeared, or because you were you were getting into real estate right after the the big crash? Like a year. Yeah, later, yeah. Right? Well, this is this is the thing. So I, I launched my my business in two thousand seven. I got my first big client, um, and um, and that was transportation. So I didn't I didn't even own a home yet. So I I, I didn't have my own home. I was renting. I was building up the uh, the the business from my living room in this one little two bedroom apartment, trying to build build a family at the same time. Um, so the whole market crash just kind of you know went. Uh, went unnoticed. Uh, I, I was doing loans in 2005 and six, and then I stopped and then I got out of that. So I was, I was just kind of moonlighting and doing a couple of things at the same time. Uh, but when I got out of that, I, um, I, the, the worst years, which were, you know, 2007, 2008, and then uh, the early part of 2009, just kind of, they were a blur, right? Uh, but I wasn't in it. I wasn't in in the real estate, uh, you know, space. So I mean, I would hear things, of course. You know, the economy is going down, and and home prices tanked, and and all I would register was like, oh, okay, homes are cheap. I should buy a house. <laughs> like that. But I wasn't. I wasn't tapped into it. Um, because transportation was totally different at that point in time. I was concerned about getting government contracts. I was concerned about you know finding another vehicle for the fleet uh, that I was trying to build, and and. Uh, um, what hit me um, through the crash is that the gas prices went went up like crazy. So year two into it, uh, we were paying almost five dollars a gallon for for gasoline, right? And right. and I'm putting together this fleet. My margins got thinner, um, and I I had at that point by then I had some capital that I could that I could deploy that I could work. And I'm thinking, okay, I mean I don't know how much longer you know this is gonna last, but if it goes you know too far. My margins are just going to be completely out. I got to look right. at something else, and, and that's when I, I turned uh, into uh, to real estate. It just made sense. I I came from a construction ba- uh, construction background, so I know um, I knew people who were doing framing and and concrete and 
We're like, all right, let's tap into that. And one thing just kind of led to another. And where is where is your real estate kind of uh, business gone from there? What so what, what's been 2009? It did a couple of flips, and and uh, I'm based out of Phoenix, Phoenix, Arizona, and um and um so I did a couple of flips. I I broke even on the first one, so I didn't think it was like the most uh you know the best you know type of investment out there just because I didn't know how to do anything. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I did those, uh, uh, you know, a few flips, and then I, um, I think on my fourth one, um, I I really paid attention to the settlement statement and started seeing assignments, uh, assignment fee to you know so and so the person that I bought the property from was like, what is this thing? Like, who, who am I paying this fee to? Um, that, I mean, that'll tell you how much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I knew about real estate right uh, at the right. beginning. Um, so an assignment fee, like, what is that? So. I, I learned about wholesaling and uh, and tapped into that after that. So I figured I'd rather you know flip paperwork than flip a house. It's just easier. It's you know quite better. Um, and then uh, less drama with contractors and whatnot. So yeah, my my I shifted from actually doing fix and flip and really got focused on wholesaling. So started closing a, a wholesaling deals that way. Um, I sold my business, my transportation business. I went all in into real estate. Sold that business. And uh, after selling it, I was just kind of sitting there for a little while and I got the opportunity. I got an email and I got an opportunity to go work for, for uh, Sean Terry. Um, he's, he's one of the biggest coaches in wholesaling. And uh, he's, he's, he happens to be in, my, in Maricopa County. So he's here in Phoenix. He sent out an email. He was looking for an acquisitions guy. And I'm, I'm thinking, I mean, I want to learn this thing. I really want to learn it. And, and you know, what best way to learn it than you know, going to work with somebody else? And again, the thought, right? I've been an entrepreneur for the last eight years. I don't know if I can go work under somebody else, uh, but but it um, I mean it just it really became a really a good environment. I think it was a really good environment because I was learning. I was doing you know I put myself in, in a in a fresh space that was challenging, and I had a lot of autonomy uh, in terms of uh, you know what I was able to do. You know, locking deals was my number one responsibility. As long as I handled that, everybody was good. So um, so I went to town on that and uh, did that for. About two and a half years, I stayed in this company, and then I, I, I moved along and I opened uh, my other stuff. In the interim, I went back to school and, and um, got my first uh, master's degree in psychology, uh, and then I got a second master's degree in organizational psychology. Um, and um, I already had the business processes background, but I wanted to do something more solid with it. So took that, and, and uh, I've always been <laughs> doing a few things at the same time. Right. Sounds like sounds like you don't allow yourself to get bored by the sound of it. No, I, I, last time I got bored, I think it was 1986. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. It's just on the wholesaling side, so some people listening, you know, are probably beginner investors, or maybe in, in your kind of situation where you've kind of they've maybe stumbled into real estate, but not really fully understood what what kind of things go on in the background. So what's 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 the attraction of wholesaling for somebody to do? What uh, wholesaling? What? Well, it, it's it's transactional, right? Wholesaling is one of those things that's very transactional. Um, I I'm really good at negotiating. I'm I'm good at negotiating deals and, and getting properties under contract. Finding uh, I, one of the things that I've always done, and this I think really resonates with my time at the fire department, is is helping people out and finding solutions. So I've always led with with a, a solution driven mentality. Um, anything that I do is tapped into that space and, and wholesaling, we have a, like, there's a particular opportunity. The properties that we look for 
when we're wholesaling, this is wholesaling real estate, right? You, you buy a property at a discount. It's essentially what's happening. Uh, but you buy it at a discount because there's a big issue. There's a problem uh, that the seller is having and they can't sell it traditionally. They can't put it up on the MLS because maybe it needs too many repairs. They don't have the time to go uh, on the MLS and actually, you know, deal with the walkthroughs. Uh, I mean, we come across hoarder houses. We come across uh, things that just, you know, I mean, you wouldn't believe, you know, the type of of stuff that happens in some of these properties. And, and these are problem properties, right? It's not your general three bed, two bath that's decent. And it's in the, you know, middle price point on a decent part of town and, 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 and needs you know 10k of remodel it doesn't happen that way it's we're looking for the uh, the ugly the ugly out there uh, right. but what happens is that we come in we negotiate a property get it at a discount and um take that rehab it you make that space better you make that space better for the family it's going to be able to move in the seller gets to monetize on on a property they had otherwise i mean they'd be having headaches and whatnot and and you know we profit so it's it's finding wholesaling really is about finding win-wins all over it's not, uh, you know, I'm going to slice your throat with my low, 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 low offer uh, and then just take everything and run. Uh, it's not that. If you put yourself in a space where you're really focusing on the solutions um, that you can bring to the sellers, you can create win-wins. And that's what's giving you a longevity, you know, at the end of the day. Uh, I've been doing this for last, uh, first, my whole, first wholesale, I did it in 20, I think it was 12, yeah, 2012, around 2012. So 10 years. Yeah. And and you've probably seen changes to wholesaling over, over that time. I would imagine that Arizona is not any different from up here in Canada and, and many other states and provinces. The market's gone crazy. I mean, the market is going up and up and up and up and up. Yeah. How, how does that impact on wholesaling? Because are people not even sitting there on ugly houses and saying, you know what, maybe I could sell this myself because, I mean, it, the market's just crazy, so I may as well, I don't need somebody to sell it. Or buy it from me. Yeah, no, absolutely, and that happens. Um, so the uh, the wholesaling is a volume game. If you think uh, like percentage wise, right? Um, out of one hundred percent of the people that are looking at or even thinking of selling, uh, may, only about maybe five, uh, three to five percent of that pool is going to sell to us. So we're looking for a very small amount, right? But if you take that and then you you're thinking 200,000 properties. Um, uh, you know, we're still looking at a three to five percent of of, uh, of properties that we can come in and tap into. There's plenty of deals out there now. Yeah, people do get the uh, the idea. You know what? Inventory is is tight. My property. I'm just going to ramp it up. Get the most I can out of the. At the end of the day, some properties cannot go on the MLS. Right. It, it's just that's the case. Um, but what happens to um, if you do it for long enough and you do it right, you start to build up that reputation. So we get a lot of referral business or, you know, from from people that we've helped out in the past. Hey, you know what? My brother-in-law has this property and it's a dump. Uh, they just want out of it. Uh, there's there's different types of distress. And when you know um, when you know how to recognize different types of distress, um, you're able to just you know craft a solution for those sellers, and and, and that's really what matters. That's what counts. If you're doing that, um, it it doesn't really matter if the prices in the market go up, because your wholesale fees are gonna, or I'm sorry, your wholesale prices are gonna go up and down along with the market prices, right? right? right. Investors and flippers they already know what the market you know ARV is uh, on any given area, uh, so there there's expectations to be set. For example, uh, one of the um, you do have to adjust and pivot, right? But 
but that comes down to to market research. So that old adage about, and I don't know if you're familiar with this, but yeah, the way that you formula, uh, formulate a um, a wholesale offer is that you take the ARB, which is the after uh, repair value, you multiply by 70, take away your fee, and then you end up with a number that's about, I don't know, <laughs> three cents on the dollar. <laughs> and then you tell them, or you ask them if they want to sell for that. That doesn't work. Um, you have to adjust to different markets. And if you're doing that right, you're adjusting for the markets, you're leaving some meat on the bone for the investor, and you're finding a solution for the seller, um, there's always going to be deals out there. We, we consistently have around 12, uh, 12 deals on average on our, on our whiteboard, and, and it's, it's by design. We can open up the marketing and do more. We can close it down and do less. But by design, we have a, um, a process where we, we come in and then we, we consistently, we're working with anywhere from 8 to 12 deals on a regular basis. Uh, push them out. Average um, revenue per deal is about twenty-two thousand. That's where we have it, just because of the markets that we tap into. And I mean, it's a pretty healthy, you know, way to operate. It becomes predictable after a point. So, what what have you found is a successful way to market a wholesaling business? Because I mean, I see, I, I'm sure everybody sees those, you know, the bandit signs, and I'm mm-hmm. sure they work. I'm sure they must work because people put them up. So, yeah. They, no, they, 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 they do work. Um, I have, I coach uh, uh, real estate wholesaling and I have a lot of students that do bandit signs. We focus on cold calling. I like, I like the process of cold calling. I mean, it's, it's been around four years. It's not one thing that's gone, uh, you know, that's changed uh, drastically in terms of uh, responses and results. So um, the, the top three um, methods that we're, that we're marketing right now is, is cold calling is one of them, SMS, which is text messaging. It's another one. And then we have PPC. So we have three ways that we market and search for sellers. We'll do direct mail campaigns uh, on niched out type of lists, like for example, 60 day lates list, um, code violations list, and pre-foreclosures. But we don't, um, I mean, there used to be a day where, where people were, were doing a direct mail to absentee owners. And, um, and if you send out, um, this, is, this is just from, uh, from memory, but 2015, 2016, if you sent out a campaign of 10,000 records, meaning 10,000 letters out, you would get about an 11% response rate on you know, people calling you back. They usually get rerouted to a call rail number or something like that, right? And uh, fast forward a couple of years, and that response rate, just because people got overwhelmed with that, that response rate um, dropped to about 0.07%. Um, uh, so not even 1% response right. rate on average. So we, I mean, we, we dropped the, uh, the uh, and that's, that's us, my company, right? I'm not saying maybe some people are doing it more effectively than I am, but for us, it stopped working. And, and you're talking there, you're talking 90 cents, uh, you're paying 90 cents per letter to go out there, um, you know, 40 to 45 cents postcards, depending on the mailer. So it can be very, it can, it can be pricey. Right. Uh, we, we, um, we pivoted and then um, we really focused, we ramped up the cold calling and have kept that up um, ever since. We pull lists. Uh, from um, batch, um, we use batch leads to pull lists. We'll pull lists from there, skip trace them, and then just uh, put them up on the power dialer and then uh, go to town on those. Right. And what have you found has worked uh, from a kind of learning curve from an entrepreneurial perspective? What do you find? Yeah, what are the lessons that you've learned from being an entrepreneur and what, what uh, could people pick up from you from that? Oh, from well, I mean, entrepreneurship in general. I think it's it's um, it's a place of of uh, if you're an entrepreneur, you're a creator. 
uh, you're creating uh, opportunity, you're creating jobs, you're creating uh, you know, content processes, systems, you're creating something better uh, to be put out there, right? I, I think that's that's one of the biggest traits of, of um, entrepreneurs to stay in the entrepreneur space for, for a long, long time. It's, they're, all, they're consistently creating. That takes curiosity. I think it's, it's, um, it's um, being inquisitive about, okay, what's happening? Yeah, we come in and then we dial in stuff that's already in place, right? We'll come in and fix stuff that you know perhaps is broken or it's not working well in the businesses, and we direct and we manage and and uh, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, entrepreneurs micromanage. I'm not I'm not a, a huge um, advocate for that kind of stuff, but but at the end of the day, we're all creators, and and if you put yourself in a space where you can play in in the industry that you're in. Um, as an entrepreneur and realize that you can do it in many different ways, you're never going to get bored. Uh, that's where uh, burnout gets, gets um, you know, evaded, you know, per se. It, it's, uh, I'm in the real estate space. Uh, I own two businesses, which Pulse Capital, which do uh, wholesale and fix and flip. And that's the investment side. And I own a brokerage as well, a real estate uh, agent brokerage, uh, which is Pulse Realty and Associates. So I'm playing in the real estate space, but I'm not... Um, Doing the the you know the uh, the the inspections the the spuds the you know binzers and all that stuff that I mean it's really tedious. I started with all that right, uh, but you can pivot as an entrepreneur and start you know tapping into different areas and creating different angles uh, while playing in the same space. I think real estate is one of the best vehicles for wealth out there. So um, my intention is not to ever get out of it. Um, it it's there's just different ways that you can play in it. Um, to, you know that you're not uh, if you're not the, the type of person that enjoys sitting there and then doing transactional stuff all day long. So, what about the um, the real estate investor that's listening to this? And you mentioned cold calling, and I think mm-hmm. a lot of people would immediately kind of their, their back, you know, the, the hairs on their back would rise up, and they don't kind of yeah, you know, I'd never catch myself doing cold calling. What um, what what can you suggest to to people? I mean, is it is it best to go mm-hmm. find somebody who's good at cold calling? I just want to stop a second and ask you about your web presence. You know that people are going to Google and check you out online if they want to do business with you. And so it's incredibly important that you have a reliable, secure hosting web service and a stable hosting plan that provides fast site speed. And if you're installing a website for the first time, a nice, easy-to-use, secure, one-click system to install WordPress. That's why I recommend and use Bluehost, which powers more than 2 million websites online and is the number one recommended hosting provider by WordPress. It's got 24-7 support, which is really good, free security certificates, and a free domain name registration. Uh, Bluehost web hosting is a powerhouse. If you'd like to get a special offer through this podcast, go to the show notes from this episode, click on the Bluehost uh, image or link, and they'll take you straight there to get a special offer. Now back to the show. Do it twice. <laughs> yeah. See, see the thing about cold calling, and, and it's, it's actually one of, um, one of the biggest reasons why I coach it, you know, with, uh, I tell my students to go at, at the... Uh, at real estate investments through cold calling first, um, because it's, it's, I mean, it's relatively simple to set up, right? So the process itself is not crazy. 
you pull a list, you skip trace it, and then you upload it to a, a power dialer. And then you start, you know, hitting those numbers and asking, having people or having a conversation with people uh, on whether or not they, they would like to sell the house. Most, most uh, students I come across are terrified of having conversations. And, uh, and, but think, of, think about this for a sec. If you're, if you're jumping into something like wholesaling, right? And you're looking for properties, you know, it's going to be a volume thing. You're going to have to talk to a lot of people. Um, and uh, you're going through, uh, through, through this whole just internal battle of whether or not you should start cold calling. There's fear in there. There's, there's a psychological apprehension of, of, um, that's holding you back from you going out there and actually having those conversations, right? I can hire somebody else to come in and then do the cold calling. For me. Yeah, that may be true. If you have a budget, you can you know, get a VA. It's not going to be too crazy. They can come in and then they set up the, they, they'll do the cold calling. What happens after? What happens after they send you over the lead? Um, most people, if there's fear um, of cold calling or having those conversations over the phone with people, by the time you get a real lead or somebody that you really uh, you know, need to sit down to uh, negotiate with, you're not prepped for the conversation. So cold calling is like the pregame. It's, it's not only the strategy to get the lead, but it's the, it's the activity that's going to give you that thicker skin, right? Uh, when you start cold calling, and if you break into, into uh, wholesaling like that, you, uh, you will have a lot of conversations with people. There's going to be a lot of rejection. Uh, people are not going to be the nicest you know, persons for the most part. Uh, there's a good percentage in there that have good, conversa- you know, good uh, pleasant conversations and whatnot, but most people are not. Um, however, they'll throw uh, questions at you. They'll throw, um, um, you have to practice your rebuttals. You have to practice, you know, they'll, they'll ask you things that you have no idea what they're talking about. So you go back and research them and you start building that experience. So cold calling or, you know, having just reaching out to people over the phone, something as simple as that is not only going to give you the leads, but it's going to give you the, uh, the backbone that you need really to make it into, you know, in the real estate space. It's highly competitive. Um, if, um, it's a fallacy to think that we can jump in there and then start hiring people right out of the gate to do the stuff that we don't like doing. No, you have to go through a process. Unless you're a, a bona fide closer and you're really good and you're confident about the stuff that you do, then yeah, plug somebody else in. Now it's not a matter of fear. It's a matter of productivity, right? Uh, but if it is a matter of fear and, and, uh, and you're not at that space where you can actually negotiate with somebody and feel comfortable in those shoes, uh, you need to get, you know, put the reps in. And that's how you do it. You do it through cold calling. Right. Now, you mentioned psychology. So, and earlier you mentioned you got a psychology degree and an organizational psychology degree. And yeah. how, are you, how are you using those in your real estate business and in your coaching business? My, uh, uh, my other business is CEO Pulse. And uh, I do a lot of coaching consulting through there. So I do uh, uh, business um, coaching consulting. Uh, we do, uh, we'll sit down with management boards and, and, you know, set up strategies and tactics and it really comes down to putting the right people in the right places, uh, hiring based off of uh, behavioral um, strength models and, and that sort of thing. So, so it's, it's a lot of fine tuning, you know, that takes place. I use the, uh, those primarily, I use it in my stuff, right? I use it in my businesses to build my business models and then uh, bring that out and then coach as well. So um, all of the stuff that I, that I'm, I'm, I'm coaching right now. Uh, wholesaling being one of them, uh, is it's, it's leveraged um, in good part with just principles of organizational psychology, uh, meaning in plugging people in the right places, creating the systems that actually make, uh, make sense and flow well, uh, almost in linear fashion, as opposed to you know, having this, this cluster of activity going on. 
Um, and at the end of the day, like that's what it really that's what it really comes down to. How can you optimize the workspace? How can you optimize the staff that you have? Uh, if you don't have staff, how can you optimize yourself to get to that higher and best uh, use of yourself and your time? And what's what has worked for you in that sense, or what's worked for people that you've worked with? Can you give us an example of somebody uh, where you've helped them? Yeah, yeah. So I've worked with multiple clients. I mean, uh, you're talking home health agencies, uh, gyms, restaurants, and and whatnot. Um, it um, having an understanding, for example. I mean, I'm, I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna take a, a couple of steps back, but having an understanding of all the different processes uh, or, or core uh, processes that happen in your business. For example, uh, and I'll stick to wholesaling because we're already talking about that. But we have if you um, if you're talking about wholesaling, right? You can say. Uh, yeah, the process of wholesaling is uh, you market for a property, you get under contract, you negotiate the deal, uh, open escrow, find a buyer, and then you sell it. Okay, boom. That's it. That's the, in theory, that's the overall process that everybody knows, right? From a business standpoint, though, um, you have to break it down a little further and really segment uh, the sections, that uh, the stages that are taking place, because now you know what to hold people accountable to. You know what to hire for. Um, for example... Uh, stage number one, it's going to be sourcing. It's not marketing, it's sourcing. You're sourcing the leads. You're, whatever you know, avenue you're, uh, you're using to do it, it's still going to be the, the activity of sourcing the leads. Uh, PPC, cold calling, um, direct mail, whatever that is, they source. And then the second stage is uh, lead generation. You pre-qualify the lead. And that's a different role. It's a different set of responsibilities. It's a different behavioral strength uh, that you're hiring for. Um, then after that, they pre-qualify, they send over to acquisitions. That's stage number three, right? It's a different behavioral strength than lead generation. So one of the things that happens a lot in business is people will hire because they like somebody, right? Or they'll try to create a job role for that person. Um, but, um, everybody will come, you know, with the best foot forward, right. To every interview. Uh, and, uh, the, uh, one thing that you see, and, and, and I'm sure you've seen it before, it's after a period of about three months, three to you know four months, somewhere in there, performance starts to dwindle on the employee side. Um, and if that happens, it's because people are adapting to something else that's not their behavioral strength. Uh, for example, if you're if you tend to be an, an extrovert um, and you're you love and connecting with people and having conversations on a regular basis, and it just motivates and drives you and and you know being engaging and and you know that sort of thing yet uh, you're plugged into a cubicle for 8 hours a day uh, you might be able to adapt to it right but you, psychologically you're, there's a strain in there there's a there's a, a big gap there's a main uh, um, there's mental taxation that's happening um, that's forcing you to to just you know cope with that space when you get out of work you get tired you're tired you're burned out and and like it's just, i just want to go to sleep because tomorrow i got to do it all over again it's not your natural space, right? So uh, on the other hand, if you're somebody who's very analytical and more of an introvert and you're great in places where you just don't need to talk to people, uh, that's going to be a good fit, right? So it's looking for, you know, for spaces like that and then designing the workspace, uh, the workspace according to what those needs are. Hiring not just for, for skill sets, but for longevity. Um, your attrition, attrition goes down dramatically when you hire for the right spots. Why? Because people will last uh, you know, the, more than the three month period that usually, you know, people put in. Uh, that's why like one of the biggest spots where there's a lot of um, attrition uh, and people quit is in acquisitions. 
there's rejection and it's, you have to be self-driven. It's a specific set of uh, traits that are needed to perform that role. Right. Yeah, but that, that's the kind of stuff that plays into, um, into building business models through, through the principles of organizational psychology. Okay, so take, take that a step back for somebody. They're a solo real estate investor. They've been building their business successfully. They're now ready to move from that solo situation to starting to build a team. What are the, what are the priorities that they need to be thinking about? What, what are the things that they need to be saying? Okay, this. Um, so, well, first off, it, it would be understand that there's different, uh, even if you're a solopreneur, there's different stages to, to your business, right? Understand what those stages are. Uh, start documenting. Any t- uh, for example, if you're, if you're a ground zero and you're looking for leads, um, and uh, I mean, I, I don't want to use wholesaling as an evergreen statement, but, but it's, um, if you're looking for leads, start documenting everything that you're doing. Okay, cool. I did a uh, cold calling. I cold called for, you know, 50 people today and I got 20 responses out of those 20 responses. One was an actual prospect. Uh, so now you start to build up some, some ta- uh, some stats and KPIs, right? So start documenting everything that you do. Um, and don't, Stay away from the from the need to hire. A lot of times we want to hire somebody because we, okay, I want people to go through this, you know, through this list, ten thousand, you know, that it may be overwhelming and I can't do it all by myself. If you're not ready, if you haven't had those conversations yet, if you're not to the point where you can, you can um, profitably, um, uh, you know, benefit from from the prospects that they're sending you. Um, fine tune yourself. Fine tune your skill set to you know to that closing. Uh, you know, ability, and then you know, bring people in. So get a couple of deals through the pipeline. You know, maybe three deals through the through uh, close uh, through closing, and then think about plugging somebody somebody into you know those different roles. The first role is going to be hired in a wholesale business is always going to be the cold callers. So it's a, if it's a, a solopreneur, a solo operation, you're going to want to if you're having a cold uh, strategy, you're going to hire cold callers. Uh, the second role is going to be a lead manager. People usually go for the transaction coordinator. But but no, like not as your beginning. Um, your top priority, uh, t- the top priority from a level one for a level one business, it's always going to be revenue, right? Um, mm. If you hire at that stage, keep in mind that you got to be hiring for income generating positions. A transaction coordinator is not going to generate new income for you. A you know a lead manager is not going to necessarily generate new income for you unless you give them the task of uh, doing uh, text messaging, right? But uh, for the most part, they're pre qualifying stuff that's in the pipeline from the cold callers. So income generating uh, roles are going to be cool acquisitions. Uh, that's, that's one of them. Cold calling is another one. Uh, but keep that in mind as you're, as, you're plug, or as you're thinking of plugging people into the business. And there's a framework. There's a framework to follow. Um, just to wrap up the, um, the, the framework that I was talking about earlier. So stage one is sourcing. Stage two is pre-qualifying. So lead generation. Stage three is acquisitions. Stage four is dispositions. So that's when you sell the deal, right? There's, there's a whole set of actions and KPIs that go in there. Um, and that's where most people stop. Uh, I see a lot of wholesale business just stop at the uh, disposition stage. They get the paycheck and they dance, they do a happy dance and they hit the, they hit the what do you call the, the bong, the, the- Ring the bell or know, whatever, right? Yep. Yeah, that one, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and and uh, throw a party. Uh, and then they go right, you know, right back into it to generate another deal. Um, they're missing, I think, the, the last two steps, which are the most important, the measuring, the improvement section. You got to measure everything that you do. Uh, all right. How much did it take you to generate that one deal? 
because you're building a business, right? If you want to stay in the side hustle, you don't have to segment anything. You don't have to do any KPIs. You don't have to you know, think about uh, roles and responsibilities because you're, you're going to be hustling the whole time, right? It's just you. Uh, however, anytime you step away for 15 minutes, your operation is going to fall to the ground. That's the way the hustle works. The hustle is a season. It's not a, it's not a business strategy. Um, but if you really want to take it to the next level and build a business that's predictable and you can step away from it and still generating this you know, income on a, on a consistent basis, now you have a machine, you have to set up processes. You have to measure everything that you're doing. There are certain KPIs that, we, that, that you've got to follow. Um, and then step number six is um, come in and improve. We have 90-minute um, meetings, team meetings with man management every week, right? The purpose of those is to go over KPIs and then see if we left any money at the table in any of the deals. And if so, what can we do so that doesn't happen again? But we have, uh, we have awareness when it comes to improvement um, in every single one of the different stages. So um, yeah, breaking, breaking stuff down, it doesn't matter what business you're doing, you know, you're in, what vertical you're in. Uh, if you're breaking things down and you have different segments, you're going to understand what requirements, what roles, what responsibilities go into each one of them. And then you can start crafting training protocols. So you start putting together like all the pieces to this big, you know, uh, robot that's going to be, may look complex, right? But you're not doing it all in one day. It's a progressive, you know, set of actions that's taking you there. Right. Have you ever been tempted to try other real estate investing strategies or have you found yeah. that one that works for you? And you're No, happy? I mean, I, I, I love wholesaling, right? I just love the fact that we can, we can, and, and right now, for example, like the, the, um, the company is built, my team looks like this. I have a lead manager. We have three cold callers. I have three acquisition reps. Uh, one acquisition manager, and then a, a dispositions manager, so that he handles the deals. Uh, transaction coordinator, and then I have a director of operation that manages everybody. So at this point, I'm 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 a consultant to the company. Uh, I love wholesaling because I, I don't have to do much in my business, you know, anymore. I, I come in 90 minutes a week. We go over the KPI strategies, uh, tactics, see what happened, what can come, you know, we can come in and improve and tweak and whatnot. Um, and then, you know, go forth and generate more deals, but the machine is working, like everything's put together. So that's, that's, if you ask me what my preferred strategy is, it's wholesaling. Uh, it's healthy. It's, it's there. It's alive. We can tap into different markets uh, and it's a machine that's running. Uh, however, we do a lot of fix and flip. Uh, we've tapped into commercial real estate. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, if there's a deal to be made, th there's always ways of getting creative with it. Creative financing is it's also something that we've done quite a bit of. So yeah, the, um, the, uh, the thing about it though, is if you're marketing for wholesale properties, you're putting yourself in first position to decide where you're going to do that. So you get a deal, you get a seller, you look at the deal, um, you go through it and you find out, okay, I want to flip this. Uh, no, I just want to push it. Oh, you know what? I want to, you know, wholesale it and put it up on the MLS. Uh, I want to create a financing, see if that works. I'm gonna, I want to create a note. There's so many different ways that you can go when you're first in line for that deal. The only way you can right. get there is by marketing direct sellers. Right. Okay, that makes total sense. Yeah. So I have a couple of questions I always like to ask guests. Um, yeah. What's your favorite personal brand or brand and why? My favorite personal brand, um, I'm a huge Tony Robbins fan. Um, I mean, I, I, I've listened to Tony Robbins for, for years and, and, um, and yeah, so I mean, I, I, I like everything that he stands for. Um, but so, uh, so yeah, I've uh, been to the, uh, the events. They're just crazy. The, the amount of energy that's put out there. And the fact that I guess my favorite thing about um, 
what he does is that uh, you're expecting um, something. So you're expecting something when you go to the events or when you, you know, buy any of his things. So he'll deliver that something in about 20 or 30% more that you weren't even you know, factoring in. So he, there's always this sense of over-delivery okay. um, that, that you get with him. Yeah. Right. What about a favorite business book or podcast? Business, favorite podcast, um, book. Actually, a good book. Um, and I think this applies to every, everything, uh, but it's uh, Psycho-Cybernetics. Um, by Maxwell Maltz. It's, I mean, one of my, one of my top, top books. The other one I would say, um, uh, The Alchemist by Pablo Coelho. They're not business books. And of course you have Traction, you have E-Myth and all those. I mean, they're amazing books. Uh, But these two just opened my eyes to, to, uh, you know, whole new things. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. Good recommendation. I like the first one. Yeah. Um, Yeah. What about a favorite new tool or resource that you're using, that you're enjoying using? Um, for real estate, uh, we use, we use the suite of batch services. So okay. uh, the batch, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but they, um, they have uh, national data in the U S um, they have bla- uh, mass SMS texting. So it's batch, we use batch, batch leads, uh, batch skip tracing and batch dialer. Uh, it's, it's really a, a great tool. It's, it's well-rounded. So like right. that. Okay. And um, a favorite, co- a favorite quote. Um, Paulo Coelho again, and uh, that would be: I refuse to walk carefully through life, only to arrive set, uh, certainly at my death, or safely at my death. Yeah. Oh, I like that one. That's excellent. Yeah. That's play a, a little. Play a play little. A little. <laughs> what do you What do you like to do outside of you know wholesaling and and coaching and mentoring? What else do you like to do? Um, I I I work out a lot. I, I love you know going to the gym, staying active. Uh, music is one one other you know thing that takes takes me to a whole new space. Uh, I do a lot of meditation, reading, you know, uh, personal growth, and um, it, it's it really puts me in a good good space. But um, traveling is another thing um, that uh, that I really enjoy. So yeah, I, cool. I, I have a lot of a uh, <laughs> a lot of interests. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, I need. Well, the great thing is, I think. I think what you've underlined in our conversation is if you do the work, you put the systems in place, yeah. you, you create the time yeah. to go do what you want to really do and enjoy. Do yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. The freedom is in the systems. I know it doesn't sound like it's, it sounds something that uh, an engineering uh, uh, engineer would say, right? But, but it's true. The freedom is in the systems. It's in the processes. You can't keep uh, accountability. You can't keep um you know delegate you can even delegate right if, if you don't have you know the right stuff in place um case in point i mean we we locked we no we didn't lock we closed one of the biggest deals um to date uh on on the second um and i was i was in uh oahu uh, my team was crushing it back in phoenix they were doing their thing here and i just got a uh, get an email and a text and i'm sitting there at the beach in oahu I was like man this is amazing i love it <laughs> perfect that's it, it. It, takes, it takes a while right it's not an overnight sure. thing but right. but there's um it's a path that's that's well worth the uh uh you know the the the, the late nights and the struggles <laughs> right wonderful well thank you very much what's the best way to for people to get hold of you Raphael, and find out more about what you do and who you are uh, i'm pretty active on social media so if anybody wants to reach out uh it's rafael cortez ceo uh, on Instagram, um, I drop a lot of videos and content and training stuff and tutorials and mindset stuff on YouTube. 
Um, that's my YouTube channel. Same thing, Rafael Cortez, CEO. And uh, if anybody, I have, I actually have a PDF uh, that your audience can download with uh, the business model, business structure that I was talking about right now for wholesaling. And that's at reiwholesaling.com. Okay, so, wonderful. Okay, we'll make sure that's all in the show notes. So, uh, so people Perfect. can grab that. Okay. And uh, thank you very much for today. Thank you for giving your time and uh, really enjoyed having a conversation with you. My pleasure, man. It's been a blast. Thank you. Okay. Have a fantastic day. Thanks. Well, what did you think? Was that fantastic? Did it give you some ideas and actions that you can take right now to build your business and real estate personal brand? So what's stopping you? Get to it. And if you're wondering where your real estate personal brand currently stands and some steps to make it more brandtastic, you can download our free real estate personal brand checklist at reibranded.com forward slash checklist. That's reibranded.com forward slash checklist. Thank you for listening and have yourself a brandtastic day.